Well, hello again and good afternoon. My name is Guy Stevens. I'm the founder and executive director here at the Alliance Against Seclusion and Restraint. And I welcome you and thank you for joining us again for this uh, special edition that we're doing of Facebook Live, uh, where we are talking to lots of folks and getting lots of great information for you. Uh, tell you a little bit about the Alliance. Uh, we're an organization that advocates against the use of uh, seclusion and restraint. Uh, trying to uh, help form changes in legislation to reduce and eliminate these practices to make our schools safer for students, teachers, and staff. I'm really excited today to have our guest, Allison Hoffmaster, join us uh, for a live training event. We're going to introduce her in just a moment here. Uh, but this event, as the others we've been doing, they're intended really to help parents, teachers, and others during these challenging times. I do want to let you know that we will actually be taking questions during the presentation today. So feel free to ask questions as we're going through today's event. Uh, we want to have this one be kind of fun and interactive and give you a chance to kind of ask your questions as they come. I uh, also want to let you know that our session today will be available to view afterwards. Uh, we'll have it not only on Facebook, but also on YouTube. And we also make it available as an audio podcast. And you can get that through iTunes or your favorite uh, podcast uh, catcher. I want to introduce you, before we introduce our guest, uh, I want to go ahead and introduce you uh, to uh, a very special member of our team, Beth Tolley. Uh, Beth is the Director of Education Strategy at the Alliance Against Seclusion and Restraint. She retired in 2018, although she's been working harder than ever since then, <laughs> uh, from a position in Virginia's lead agency for early interventions for infants and toddlers. She's got a tremendous amount of experience as a parent, as a grandparent, uh, she has a lot of experience with kind of behavioral challenges, which has fueled her passion to really improve the lives of children, their families and others through education and uh, mutual support and advocacy. So welcome, Beth. Thank you, Guy. And, and I'm the... <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I know we are so excited to introduce our guests. Let me go ahead and bring our guest up and you can introduce her. Okie doke. Hi, Allison. Hi. Allison. <laughs> Allison, how... I don't want to say it wrong. Allison Hoffmaster yes. is a working mom, uh, working from home, and a parent of a, uh, a child with special needs. And so she's balancing those two things just like so many people are. And what she's going at her job is a learning engineer at uh, Ukera. That um, so she ha she is um, well informed about trauma trauma informed approaches and has been able to create an environment of ho at home that's worked very well. So she's gonna share with us about that, um, tell us how things are going. So thank you very much, Allison, and welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with all of you today. It's really great. And and, and I have to tell you that that Kim Sanders uh, of Ukera has said amazing things about you and, and all the work that you've been doing, uh, not only at Ukero, but but you know with, with your own life and situation. And uh, we're really excited to have you and think that what you have to share is really going to be helpful to people in our audience. So I know you've got a presentation for us and we, we yes. talked about um, taking questions during the presentation. Yes. So I'm going to go ahead and bring up your presentation and allow you to get started. But uh, Beth or I may break in if we have a question coming in from the audience. So with that said, I've got your got you on the screen with balance, uh, Balancing Act and Mother's Story. So take it away. Yes, uh, I want to start out by saying um, just thank you to everyone who's been dealing with this challenging time, whether you're a mother like myself or a grandmother who's helping support, if you're a teacher working at home, connecting with your students, anyone, fathers, grandparents, anyone that's taken on this challenging time. Thank you. And everyone's doing a great job. So I'm going to talk about my personal experiences and how Lila and I have adjusted to this pandemic and the challenges that we're facing and what we've done in our home. 
So I want to start out by introducing my daughter, Lila. As you can see on the screen, um, this is Lila. She will be turning 20 on Sunday, actually. So we are celebrating her birthday during a pandemic as well. Um, Lila was adopted uh, two years. Tomorrow, we're going to celebrate our Gotcha Day anniversary. She spent um, nine years at home with her biological family, and then she spent eight years in a residential placement here at Grafton. Um, I met Lila through working at Grafton. I was her one-to-one -one educational aide, and we just kind of formed a bond that I knew I wanted to keep Lila in my life forever. So we started the adoption process. Um, Lila is diagnosed with autism, epilepsy, um, intermittent explosive disorder, along with fetal alcohol syndrome. Lila um, has experienced many challenges throughout her life. Um, a lot of those that I'm not aware of, for I wasn't a part of her everyday life for 17 years. So as Christopher talked on our the last Facebook Live, I really appreciate the trauma-informed approach that we use with Lila just because some of her trauma is I've seen and I've been able to learn through, but a lot of it is unknown for me. So here are some changes that we made within our home. Um, we've created social stories. I've always used social stories with her, but especially in a time like now, I use social stories to tell her what COVID is, how we can prevent it. Um, what germs are and how we prevent germs and why it's so important that we use hand washing skills. Um, we are actually in the process of buying a house right now too. So I've created a social story on us moving and preparing her that her whole family is going to move with her. And really just anything that we have come up in life, we can use social stories because they're a way for her to learn and for, to use pictures. Um, Lila is nonverbal, so she does exp um, express her emotions and her wants and needs through her behavior. We've done a lot of activities and experiments throughout this process, um, activities of how germs can affect us, experiments on how germs spread, um, any day-to-day -day things that we learn about throughout this process and through this pandemic, we've I've translated them into fun activities for Lila to learn. I use visual schedules a lot, especially when I'm working from home, so she knows what her day looks like as well as what mom's day look like. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point you bring up about explaining. I don't mean to jump in, but, um, you yeah. know, I think sometimes it's easy for us just to assume that, um, you know, e either we, we don't we don't make the conscious thought that, oh, we, we need to explain what's going on here. Yeah. And I think it's really important to do that and, and to probably build the expectations and and help, uh, you know, help our kids to understand what's going on. It's really, really great. Absolutely. Because, you know, her whole life and her schedule has changed. She's used to going to school for 30 hours a, re a week, receiving um, a one-to-one. -one. She receives ABA. She receives speech therapy. We used to go out to dinner often. We would go shopping. Mm -hmm. All of these things have come to a complete stop for her because her immune system is already so weak that we've really worked hard on protecting her and keeping her safe, which also means that she's had to stay home since March 10th. Mm -hmm. So it's been very, very challenging. And I want her to know that we are doing the best that we can just to keep her safe. Right. This is why I've made so many of these changes, because I still want this time to be fun for her. And when Lila looks back at this pandemic, I want her to think about all the things that she's gained from this. And I don't want her to think about the things that we've lost or we didn't do, rather than the things that we did do during this time and how much mm -hmm. fun that we can make it. That's great. Um, file folder activities have been wonderful for us. It's something that she uses at school, and I thought that it would be nice to transfer into our home environment just so that she can still learn within the same way, and hopefully it's as, just as effective. 
I've really increased my verbal praise along with my reinforcement. I've always given her lots of verbal praise, but especially working from home, if it's just me going and saying, you're doing a great job working today or her reinforcement, I make sure I have her favorite snacks within our house, um, her favorite movies, anything that I can do to make her feel special during this time and at all times, of course. And uh, my family has gotten very creative with outdoor and home activities that we can do. Um, the picture on the screen is Lila walking at a trail. Now for us, it's very important that we find a trail that doesn't have any playground equipment because the swings are her favorite thing to do. So we've been reaching out and looking on social media or Google of just different trails in our area that we can find. And to be honest, I didn't even know we had so many walking trails and I'm really glad that we were able to find them. Lila um, loves to go shopping. I mentioned that a little earlier. And when this pandemic started, we saw a change in her taking her medications. She began to refuse them. She began to hold them for hours. And um, we could see a great change in her mood when this happened. So we sat down as a family and we thought about what is affecting Lila most right now at this time. What do we think that she is missing the most? And we thought that she was missing shopping because she just loves to go. Um, she gets pushed in a transport chair and we go, I mean, Walmart, Target, anywhere. And we just go shopping a lot. It gets us out in the community. She sees people. So we came up with this idea to create a store in our garage to help boost her mood. And it wasn't a contingent upon anything. She was able to go shopping when she wanted throughout the day and she could go out and we had um, plastic bags set under the table so that she could fill her bag. She could pick out what she wanted that day and we filled it with all of her favorite things. So we make sure we had the clothing department, our shoe department. You can see her hanging up on the wall, the toy department. We had some candy. We had some snacks that she would choose from, anything that we thought would make her happy, which helped um, her take her meds. It helped boost her her mood and how she was feeling. So this is something that we did special for Lila at home. That's really amazing. I, I, I need a, a store in, in, in my, well, I don't have a garage, but I, I need a store too. Yeah. I mean, I guess Amazon is the best I can do, but. <laughs> right. Amazon has been very yeah. helpful. Yeah. But, but, you know, you, you said something about just really that, that the purpose of this was just to make her feel comfortable and feel happy. It wasn't, it wasn't, you were doing this for incentives. It was just that, Hey, I, I want you to enjoy the things that you usually enjoy and, and be happy. And, and I think that's really, really fantastic. Absolutely. And again, when she thinks back on the, um, pandemic, I think it's all about perception. And I want Lila's perception to be nothing but happy. And I also wanted to think, wow, that time I got to go shopping in the garage, all I had to do was go out to the garage and we were able to go shopping. So here are some safe act outdoor activities that we've identified. Um, we've used bubbles a lot. We have a bubble machine. We've got the wand bubbles. So we've enjoyed using bubbles and I've also used them like educationally. So if I blow three bubbles, I might say, how, how many bubbles did mom blow Lila? And she could say three. So we're working on her educational goals at the same time as making it fun and creative for her. Walking trails, like I've mentioned, we used a lot of those. She's really enjoying getting out and walking, and we'll do um, outdoor scavenger hunts while we're out. If we can point to the green grass and the trees, and if we take a ball, anything like that, that we can make it interactive and fun for her. We've used sidewalk chalk to use for probing her IEP goals. 
Um, we've done yard scavenger hunts kind of along the same line as the Easter egg hunt, where we've done stuff where we just go outside and identify stuff in our yard, but also kind of like a hide and seek version of we'll hide stuff and then we'll go find it for, for her to go find. We've done yard bowling, water balloons when the weather is warm. Um, we've played basketball. We've tossed the ball back and forth. Uh, we've done a picnic and a lunch and a dinner in our yard just to kind of stimulate that we're getting ready. We, everyone got ready. We put on our shoes and we kind of went out to eat in our backyard so she could get the feeling of going out somewhere besides our dining room table to eat dinner or lunch. It sounds like that was fun for the whole, for the whole family. Yeah, absolutely. That everything is not the same. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to make the same point, Beth. I mean, it's almost, I mean, your your own mental health here is, you know, going out and, and taking walks and doing these activities. I mean, you know, this is a, a difficult time for all of us, whether we're, we're parents or caregivers or, you know, children or, or, or everyone. And uh, it sounds like all of these things are, are great, um, both for, for you and, and your daughter. Yeah, they have been very beneficial. And in the background of this picture, you'll see there's a blue um, pot with a plant in it. And so also for something shopping that we did is we went to our local nursery and we had Lila pick out a plant outdoors where she was safe and she was social distancing. And that was something she was able to go buy. And then we worked on planning it and learning about the process of planning and the different steps. And it's something that she can sit outside now and enjoy. Mm -hmm. Some indoor activities. Uh, we've thrown a lot of dance parties. Uh, Lila school Grafton throws a lot of, um, they have prom every year and she really loves that. So we figured we would do some dance parties at home. We've used coloring, Play-Doh. We started baking cookies and different activities and using the math parts of that for measuring. We've done movie nights. Lila always gets to pick the movie and our movie is Shark Tale all day, every day, this <laughs> pandemic. So we've watched Shark Tale and we've eaten um, popcorn in the living room. We've done story time. And as I mentioned before, Lila's birthday is on Sunday, and I still wanted to celebrate her birthday, but also make her feel special at the same time with not just family. So we've had our family and friends mail her birthday cards all throughout the month of May. And sometimes mm -hmm. she gets so many cards that story time is reading her birthday cards to her that she's receiving. Um, we've done a lot of board games and, again, using our our IEP goals during that with identifying our colors or moving the amount of spaces. We've built inside forts. And we've made our educational goals fun so she can still stay on track with the goals that she's learning, but also in a fun way. Oh, I want to go back. So you'll see in this picture, um, I meant, forgot to mention this, Lila is cutting a book with Play-Doh scissors. And the reason I chose this picture is because I could have responded to this situation in a couple different ways. And um, some people may respond with the bias opinion that a book is only for reading. However, Lila has taught me that a book can be used for reading, looking at pictures, fine sensory motor play by cutting it, coloring in it, and just whatever she chooses to do with that book is what I let her to do because it's her book. So this is an example of how we use comfort versus control in our house that I didn't get upset that she was destroying a book. I recognized that she was using it in a different way than I had used it, but it's okay because it's still giving her some, it was fun for her. It occupied her for hours that day while I was able to get work done. Um, and it was some sensory, it was fine sensory motors that she was working on. 
So this picture, I tried, I chose to share this picture because um, before Lila had moved home with me, I was a very um, organized, I still am very organized, but I like stuff in a certain way. And Lila has taught me how to compromise with that. So this was one day while I was working from home and she was doing her goal of putting together her puzzles. And what this day looked like for Lila was putting together three puzzles and then going to take a break with all of her toys in the back. And then coming back and working a little more. Um, Lila does have epilepsy, so I have to monitor very closely. So I use a baby monitor um, to see her while I was working. But with what I think, did you want to say something? I, I was just going to say it's a great picture. And, and you know, I mean, I, I think all of us with kids relate to it. I mean, you know, I think about when my kids were fairly young and I went over to a friend of mine's house and, and they had no children at the time. And I remember making the comment that their house seemed like a museum. <laughs> you know, <laughs> everything was in a place. And, you know, you, you, that's not life. Uh, Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and great. so um, if you're not able to see this, if you're listening, maybe later on, you'll see that Lila's sitting at a table, which we use for schoolwork, but we also use for fun work because I didn't want it to become um, adverse to her. I wanted her not to see the table as what she was just working. And in the background of her on the couch is several toys that she has play played with all throughout the day. So what is important here is that when I do work with Lila is that if she needs a break, I give her a break. I don't engage in a power struggle and make her finish the task if she's not ready to do it. She takes breaks often, and then we're able to return to her task that she's working on. And at the end of the night, I promise we did clean this up together. And it was actually fun. We made it a, something fun. You know, we picked up the toys and we tossed them into the bins and just really making our life fun. You have, uh, oh, there. Guy brought it up. Comfort versus control brings tears to my eyes. Thank you so much for your kindness. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it really is beautiful. And I, you know, you 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 made me think about. <clears throat> I got aggravated with my granddaughter one time, who was a preteen at the time, mm -hmm. because she was just, you know, do I asked her if she would get breakfast on her own, and I was at her house. And so I look and she's got popcorn and a frozen juice thing. And I'm like, what? Why? That's not breakfast food. And then I started thinking, well, it's a grain and it's juice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but what, what happens is we so often get caught up in our, a book is a book and you read it and that's it. Absolutely. But what, what you did is be flexible about it and how much better for everyone. It's, I found it was better for me too, not just. Right. Uh, for my granddaughter. Because then we find ourselves engaging in these unnecessary power struggles where if I had only let Lila use that book as for looking at the pictures, then she would have gotten upset. I would have gotten upset. And it was just re really, it wasn't necessary in that mm -hmm. in the moment for either of us to get upset because she was having fun. She was doing something that I was fun for her and it could be educational and it's just, it's her things. And I want her to play with her things as she wishes. And I don't want to control how she does that. Beth, your story reminds me of uh, those of you in our audience that are familiar with Dr. Ross Green and kind of the collaborative proactive solutions approach. We, we one time did a plan B over breakfast and, and my son wanted pizza for breakfast. And, and that, that was that was the end of, of solving the problem. But after that, he had pizza for breakfast probably every day for uh, probably six months. And, and that mm -hmm. solved his problem about wanting to get up and get ready for school. So yeah. sometimes it's it's being flexible and, and moving Absolutely. outside of what we think might be for uh, for breakfast or what we think might something might be used for. It's a fantastic point. 
Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Lila is Doritos. She can eat Doritos for breakfast, lunch, snack, mm. dinner. They're always on the side of every of our meals. <laughs> One of her birthday gifts that was mailed to her was a huge box of Doritos, which was perfect for her. <laughs> That's great. So here's some other fun activities. We take lots of car rides. Lila loves to ride in the car. And something that I thought of um, on our car rides is we drive the route of her bus sometimes, just so she can still see the same scenery that she used to, because she loves looking out the window. She's very observant when she's in the car. Um, some Saturdays we've taken up to 14 car rides, I think. Um, we walk the walking our trails in our community have been very helpful. Uh, we go to the recycling center and we make it very fun for her that at home we sort our recycling, but then we make it so she goes and she gets ready and we all get ready and we're going somewhere, you know, we're going to the recycling center. So she's still a valued member of her community. She's still getting out and able to do those things. Like I mentioned earlier, we shopped at a local nursery because it was safe for her. We've done some donut decorating kits, which she thought was very, very fun. We've added a vocational skill of checking the mail and we painted her nails and that was something very new for us. And I attached a picture of that because when I envisioned painting her nails, it was definitely not the outcome. And when I originally shared this picture with my family, they said, oh, wow, Lila painted her nails herself, but actually I painted them. <laughs> so... <laughs> So that is something we are working on as well. And I can't wait to look back and see the first time we painted her nails after we use, where you're going to start practicing. And uh, I think I need to explain to her the waiting process and letting it dry and not touching it. But she was just so excited when I was painting her nails that she would look at them and she was rubbing them together and doing all sorts of things. So it's hey, not I'll always perfect the first time you try it, but it will definitely get better. Uh, Allison, we just had a, a question that came up, and uh, I, I think it's a good one um, from Melinda. And she says, I know that this is just one example of different ways or different things that you can do. And I think she's talking about the book example. Uh, but do you find that it's confusing for her to know that she can use her own books like that, but at school or the library or someone else's house that that may not be acceptable? Um, I haven't ran into that issue, but I could always uh, use the explanation of other people's property and how we treat other people's property. And then if she's not able to do that in that moment, that I could tell her when we got back home that we can use her books for the ways that she's intending to use them. Mm -hmm. Okay. The next couple slides are... Um, taken from what I teach here at Ukeru, which is a, a parent, our parent organization, Grafton, and that's where Lila goes to school. So I'm going to share with you our comfort versus control approach and how it helps me at home. And this is a slide that I've taken out of our PowerPoint that really just hits home to me, and it means a lot to me. And so it says, we believe people inherently want to do well, and those with disabilities and or trauma are no exceptions. When we see an individual struggling, it is our responsibility to figure out why and teach those skills necessary for success. So when I wake up in the mornings, I always try to have a great day. And when I, when Lila wakes up in the morning, I feel that she does the same thing, that she wakes up wanting to have a good day. And so when she is struggling, I do feel that it is my job to figure out why and teach her the skills necessary for success. And it means so much to me that her, where she goes to school feels the same way and that they use this comfort versus control approach for her. And at home, if we could take this into perspective that when our child or child 
children are struggling that we can figure out why. And then it is to teach the skills necessary for success. And uh, those individuals with disability and trauma are no exception. So this really touches home to me and that um, everyone has a good day and we all have bad days and we all have struggles and just figuring out why and teaching our children. Yeah, it's a really important point. I think uh, very often uh, the burden gets put on the child. You know, we're, we're looking for the child and putting the burden on them to uh, understand or solve or, or whatever it may be with the problems rather than looking at our own role to help them through that. So that really, really resonates with me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There, there is a comment here. Um, did you put it up there? There you go. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I would so, say this is maybe a tip, you know, a tip. Yeah, for a tip. You. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know whether you can read them. Yeah, I'll read it. There's Insta-Dry nail polish. Um, awesome. Yeah. So uh, the, this person's child likes getting their nails painted too. And Insta-Dry ones take about, Insta-Dry ones take about 30 seconds. Oh, that is awesome to know. Thank you so much. And if anybody else has any comments or what's worked for them over this challenging time, I am a full believer in supporting each other and sharing those. So please feel free to share away what's worked for you or anything like that. I really appreciate that. Um, I wanted to make another comment about the struggle and how um, the other thing that I see you doing that can help prevent struggles is all of those activities that you started in the beginning the outdoor activities and the indoor activities, all of them are regulating activities. Mm-hmm. And then when you talked about Lila sitting at the, the desk and, or the table and working, but she takes a break when she wants to, which is perfect because she ne- she knows when she needs to take a break. Mm-hmm. So you've built in all this regulatory activities, which is one of the reasons kids get so, um, when they get dis- dysregulated, that's when a lot of the, behavior stuff happens. So you have a beautiful array of all kinds of, yeah. Thank you. Yes. Um, I have, it's taken me some time, but I'm very aware of Lila's early warning signs of when she starts to get upset. So that's when I really try to intervene with her calming strategies or her coping skills or anything that I know will work to calm her down in that moment, just as a prevention or a de-escalation strategy. It's been very, very helpful. We got another comment on uh, kind of the idea of blaming the child. And, and uh, Casey said, mm-hmm. so true. Uh, the child is uh, too often blamed for our failures to provide a safe environment and the supports and accommodations that they need. And, and that certainly is something that, uh, you know, we see happen in, in school environments as well. And and that's what I love about your story is is it's a lot about how to provide the safe environment and the supports that, that Lila needs to be successful. And, and by building that success, um, you know, how much, you know, how much more smoothly everything goes because you're really building success in all that you do. Mm -hmm. And it goes smoothly, not only for her, but my family at home using Mm -hmm. this trauma-informed approach and comfort versus control helps her tremendously, but it also helps us as well. That's great. And so just to give you a a little background on Lila, um, so when she was younger, it was it was, she had a lot of intense aggression, aggressions, self-injurious behavior, disruptions. Um, I didn't know her when she was younger, but I do know a lot of people that still work here at Grafton. And when they knew her, when she came to Grafton and she had um, a high intensity level of aggression, she had, like I mentioned, self-injurious behavior, disruptions, all of that. They were in hundreds monthly. 
And since using a comfort versus control approach, trauma-informed, um, it's they've decreased significantly. It's very rare if we see like one or two a month. So wow. just using this approach at home. And I was not actually the first person to bring Lila home as a foster child. Um, there were three families in, that tried in front of me, before me, and um, it was always reported back to me that her behaviors at home were too intense. She was very aggressive. Um, she wasn't able to she was uncontrollable was what was written and just all of this stuff. And while I wasn't with her when she went home, I do think that my approach of comfort versus control and trauma informed is greatly related to her success that we've had her at home with us. The word uncontrollable I, takes a new meaning when you think about comfort versus control, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, we're doing it wrong. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. And it, yeah. You want to put the banner on there? There's, you are getting, um, uh, some feedback here about teaching skills, yes, but also meeting them with empathy when exploring what is wrong, mm -hmm. offering support, changing the environment, and helping with self-advocacy mm -hmm. because validating them and figuring out how they communicate. Oh, this, uh, anyway, co-regulation is very helpful for autistic people and all people. Agreed. And I'm glad you follow her lead. And, and I would expect that it is, I mean, it is what you're doing and how you are with her. As much as how you are with her, where you are empathetic, you are following her lead. That Absolutely. makes such a difference. We take um, everything into control. And something that Grafton has taught me is to be a behavior detective. And that's something that I definitely use at home with Lila. I take into account if she, how she's eaten that day, how she slept, if anything happened, if there was anything that happened to her in her day, I take into account that could affect her behaviors or her mood or her task completion. Maybe she didn't sleep well last night and I'm not going to, we're not going to have a lot of work done out of her today or anything that it may be. Yeah, I, I love that comment also that we, we got and the, the emphasis on co-regulation. And, you know, mm -hmm. when, when I think about a lot of school, I think about the three R's and they're not the, the usual. It's relationship, relationship, relationship. And, and it's all about, you know, building the relationship, helping helping children and they're struggling to to uh, regulate and, and providing empathy. It was a really fantastic comment. And I think uh, m it melds well with kind of the approach that you're taking and, and the Grafton approach. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, so comfort versus control, um, I might have to help Lila identify what she needs if she's so upset. And it might be taking, going through a list of things. I might have to go down and does she need a quieter environment? That's something that I can try. Does she need me to lower the lights? Does she need my attention and not a direction to follow? Something that I do with Lila at home is I don't tell her what not to do, but I try to encourage her of what I want her to do. So when we ride in the car, she likes to sit on her feet, but then when we get out, her feet are numb and she's unable to walk. So when we get in the car, I don't say, Lila, don't sit on your feet. I say, hey, Lila, can you sit on your butt? And so she'll, she'll put her feet out from underneath her and we've just avoided the whole situation. But I, I try not to use the no, don't stop. I try to give her a direction that I want her to do so that she's able to understand what I'm asking. Because if I tell her not to just sit on her feet, I'm not sure if she knows what I actually want her to do in that moment. Does she need to go for a walk or a physical activity to do? Maybe that will help. Does she need a nap or to stay in bed a little longer before we get up and start our morning? Is she hungry, thirsty, or does she need more to eat, to drink? So this is just about helping Lila identify what she needs.
So when I have to tell Lila that she's not able to do something, if I have to deny a request or a task, I do it in a kind, compassionate manner. And that's what comfort versus control is all about, is when we see someone struggling or they're at their, they're at their worst, we want to be at our best. And so if Lila wants to go for a ride, and the way that she tells me that she wants to go for a ride is that she goes into her room and she gets her shoes out of her cubes. I just don't tell Lila no, that we're not going for a ride. I give her an explanation of to why we can't go right now. I might say, we can go in 10 minutes. Would you like to do a puzzle while we wait? And a puzzle is something that is very preferred for her. It's a preferred activity. She likes to do it. I want to give her something that is a preferred activity so she's more likely to choose it. If she needs to go for a walk, again, if she'll get her shoes and she'll go out to the, um, we'll go outside and she'll ask to go for a walk or go on her swing. That sounds like a great idea. As soon as Nanny gets back, we'll go for a walk. What would you like to do in the meantime? Can you show me? So just really uh, wording how we have to say no or and offering that alternative for them. And it's been I've really had to do this now from working from home. You know, if she wants to go for a ride. I'll tell her that's a great idea. Let's go on my lunch break in 20 minutes. But in the meantime, we can go watch a movie. We can go do a puzzle. We can color, giving her those choices to choose from too, which is something that is very important in our home is giving her a voice and a choice. So for school, she would pick out her outfit. Well, since the pandemic has happened, we've actually let her pick out anything that she wants to wear for that day. And it's been something that's new and fun for her. So she gets to pick if she wants to stay in pajamas. She wants to get dressed. Um, the other day, she actually chose to wear a nightgown, a jacket, high socks, mixed max shoes, and some winter gloves. We weren't going anywhere that day, maybe for a car ride. We were just staying in the house, but she thought it was hilarious of her outfit. Yeah, that's great. You know, like yeah, comfort versus control again. I mean, it, it's all about, you know, one, one of the things that in, in my experience, and I think that we'll agree with is that it's the power struggle, the power, the needless power struggle Absolutely. that so often leads to, uh, you know, behavioral escalations and, and difficulty. And, you know, the, the adult and the child both becoming dysregulated. And when you follow that kind of comfort versus control approach and really try to understand the, the needs of the child and, and not putting the burden on them, your ability to be successful just really skyrockets, doesn't it? Right. Absolutely. It does. And, and one of the things that, um, that I learned several years ago um, from the folks that were helping us with our granddaughter was um, this need for control that is so strong for some kids with autism is because, um, well, that's how they explain it to us. She feels so out of control that anyone trying to put the control over is, is making her feeling of being out of control even worse. So that it's so beautiful how you offer. Um, and I love the way you phrase things when you can't do something right this minute so that the control remains as much as possible with her. Right. And so I think when you do it like this, and even with anyone, it, it makes the value of no a little more important. You know, if she's going into the road because she does lack safety awareness, if she's going towards a hot stove, if I say no, like stop, it's it's more valuable to her because it's not something that she hears 5,000 times a day or what have you. It's, it's a valuable word to her of when I, I wanna... need to use it. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to bring up a, a kind of a comment here and uh, get your get your reaction. Uh, this comes from Natasha. She says the timing of this is so perfect for me. Uh, just yesterday, we had the second appointment with a new psychologist. 
Uh, my son uh, has ASD, uh, anxiety, and PTSD. On the first session, the doctor asked me if I had read Dr. Ross Green. Uh, so I was thinking he was on the same page. My son was stressed out and he was swearing some. Yesterday, the psychologist advised me to use timeouts and lectures to manage his swearing. Uh, this left me feeling so disheartened. And, and I know, so that was a comment. And I know that, uh, you know, the approaches that you take and comfort versus control and collaborating. I mean, what, what an amazing idea, working with kids, collaborating with them instead of being top down and uh, all about control. Um, and, any comments on, on this um, from your perspective? Uh, my perspective at home is that I do not sweat the small things. Um, Lila does have some words that she used, and some of them are cuss words, but it's not something that I let myself get upset upset about. I don't engage in unnecessary power struggles. And instead of using time out, I use time in. I really reinforce and um, praise all the positive behaviors that I see. Anything that she's doing well, I I. I praise her for, I reinforce her for, um, I know that personally with Lila using timeout or anything along those lines, we will not be successful in our home. Um, it will create a, a crisis for her, which will then get me upset. And then she's upset. And then I'm upset. And then mm -hmm, I'm not mm -hmm. able to help her, I'm right, able right, to comfort right. her because now that I'm upset. So that's my personal, um, how, what I've learned with, with Lila and works well with Lila. Because she has so many um, trauma that could already be that I can see, you know, just the inability to communicate, tell someone what she needs or what she's feeling has to be so hard for her. I mean, I know that she does it through her behavior and she's very good at expressing what she needs, but I take that into consideration and I, I really think about the challenges that she faces every day and how I can just respond with compassion and comfort mm -hmm. and versus trying to control her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great, great, think, great advice. I think the thing that's, um, I'll speak to what Natasha said um, also, because this, this is where so many of the helping professions still are in using timeouts and mm -hmm. be sure your consistency is good, but the problem was it was consistent with your consequences. A whole lot of things that are contrary, consequences, timeout, the, the issue with timeout is showing with research that that to a kid feels like abandonment, mm -hmm. even though it's just, you know, it doesn't mean that to us. But um, and so the, the recommendations from the research are coming down. The timeout's really not a good thing to do. But you get to your professionals who are the ones that are supposed to be helping you. And I agree completely with Natasha. It's very um, disheartening. Mm -hmm. um, and, and frustrating, particularly when you think they're, they're using the approach that's not uh, rewards and consequences. So anyway, thank you for your input on that. Yeah, and Lila's um, doctor once told me, and it was some very good advice that he gave me. He said, um, every day I want you to interact with her. I want you to play with her for at least 30 minutes, an hour, but do this often. And the whole time that you are doing that, I don't want you to give her any direction. I don't want you to give her any um, anything. Just simply be there in the moment with her present and play with her. Don't give her um, way, different ways to do anything, but just, just play, you oh know, let gosh. her express herself in that moment. And I think that really helped form our bond and our connection in the beginning is because I was there not to tell her how to do something or how to play with her book or how to play with her dolls, but to join in with her. 
That is so beautiful. And I want to know where you got that, doctor. And can you clone him? <laughs> right. I, I want to hit one, one more thing on Natasha's point. Yeah. And that was that on day one, it sounds like you got good advice to, to read up on Dr. Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would encourage you, Natasha, if you haven't, we did a, a session with Dr. Green just a couple of weeks ago, uh, which is available. And I encourage you to look at that because I assure you, Dr. Green would not be giving the advice that the psychologist gave on day two. Mm-hmm. Um, so absolutely. Uh, you know, there, there are better things that you can do and appreciate Allison's comments on that. Mm-hmm. And I also want to, So in our home, just because we use a comfort versus control approach doesn't mean that Lila doesn't have expectations. Mm -hmm. She does have limits. She does have rules. We still do all of those things. It's just the manner that we deliver them. Um, She has a set of stuff that she does after dinner. She's responsible for wiping the table and she has a little um, vacuum that she uses. Now, one night she might do it all and she might do it great, but the next night she might need to take a break in between and come back and wipe the table. And that's okay too. So you're flexible. Absolutely. It's all about being flexible and all of that, just really supporting her and what she needs in the moment. Yeah. Somebody else commented, Jennifer, that she uh, loves the time in, I, uh, the time in idea. Um, and uh, this is what I would do with my son. Uh, we figured out timeouts do not work. It escalates him mm-hmm. uh, usually if we start. And, and of course, I think a lot of us have run into that, that when we be, become inflexible ourselves, uh, we, we begin to see escalations. Mm-hmm. And Lila, she finished. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. She, um, Jennifer, finished her message down there. I don't know whether you saw that. Yeah. Uh, she said a little more. She said, "Oops, <laughs> I think the message got uh, hit the enter uh, button too soon." She said, "Usually, if we uh, think uh, timeout, it's usually in response to a challenge or uh, a challenge of behavior." Uh, which for my son meant that he was becoming dysregulated. Becoming dysregulated means he needs me. Yes, he needs you. Um, He needs me to help him co-regulate. Absolutely. Um, uh, Time in is a way to co-regulate. It's not punitive. It's connection. Uh, Couldn't agree more. Great point, Jennifer. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I want to hug you all. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, for sure. So here are some comforting statements that I use at home and as well as that Lila's school grafted uses with her when she's there and she's struggling. You know, we reassure her that she's going to be okay. We let her know that it's safe here. We ask her if she could tell us how to help, that no one's going to hurt you, that we're right here. We're right here with her, supporting her during this situation that she's going through. Um, Are you hurt? Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you afraid? You're not in trouble. We understand, and I think we can all agree that we've all had struggles. We've all had bad days. We've all said something that we didn't mean to say. And this is how we want people to respond to us. And our children are no different. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I know Dr. Green says this a lot. We we all sometimes uh, don't look good when we can't meet an expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this this approach is so important. It, it connects with a couple of weeks ago, we had Dr. Mona Della Hook here and talking about the being safe, feeling safety and that relational safety. And, you know, of course, you're not you're not going to be able to do other things if you're not feeling safe, you're not feeling comfort. Um, so, yeah, this is great. Yeah. If you're not safe, you're only focusing on your safety. So you have to mm-hmm. feel safe in order to use any all of your impulse control, your memory, all of that needs to, you have to feel safe before anything. And our children need to feel safe before they can learn. Mm-hmm. So here are some control statements that I do not use at home, that I am so thankful that her school does not use when she was residential, that they did not use, that you need to stop. Because if anyone told us personally that we needed to stop, would we really? Or has anyone calmed down when they've been told that they needed to calm down? 
<laughs> if you want to, then you all this stuff is we've could, we've identified as control statements. And going back to the comforting statements, um, just saying what happened to you versus what's wrong with you is something else. Um, be quiet. You're not going anywhere acting like this. This is just some stuff that we've just putting into perspective at how it can be controlling versus rather than the stuff that were on the other slide that I mentioned where that were comforting. Right. Yeah. I think about calm down and we've all, we've all probably made that mistake at one point of our, in our lives or had <laughs> someone else say that to us, but you know, th right. then I connect this back to things like seclusion, you know, which, which mm -hmm. we talk about a lot here at the Alliance and, you know, the thought that putting somebody in a room against their will is going to help them calm down. Um, you know, they need help regulating, they need co-regulation, they need help not to be locked in a room for the convenience of someone. Mm -hmm. Right. It, and we, we have a comment here from Casey Heath DePriest. Um, yes. She loves this approach, such good information. I found that understanding the apraxia, motor differences of autism that impacts speech, initiation, sustained movement, and inhibition has given me so much more empathy into the true struggles these kids deal with every single day. Mm -hmm. How frustrating it must be not to be able to control your body or communicate your thoughts. It's brutal. Absolutely. And uh, Natasha says she gives herself timeouts. I'm right there with you. I, I like timeouts for me <laughs> when I'm feeling dysregulated mm -hmm. and uh, I, I need a break. Then but but I, that, I Natasha needs some comfort too, you know. So right. you know, you, you need some comfort. You need to you need to do things for yourself, you know, as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Right. So and the timeout may be going for a walk. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I thought about timeout as being punitive. So if the timeout's positive, right. then that's probably and it's exactly all what about. You mean. I think it's very individualized how we treat our children and the students that we work with. You know, if a break is what helps you, that is awesome. If going to Lila's room in her moment helps her, that that is awesome. What I'm looking for is that I'm not escalating her any farther, that I wanted to use it as a calming strategy and I want it to be beneficial for her. So if it's beneficial for you, that's great. I want you to use what's beneficial for your ch children because it's very individualized. What works for me doesn't work for Guy, and what works for Guy doesn't work for Beth. Mm -hmm. um, this is just changing the task or the setting, uh, using stress balls, going to another room or giving her a break. Again, if that works for her, that's awesome. Um, it, might, it works for me sometimes too, going on a walk, rocking in her chair, throwing things outside. So just really thinking outside the box of mm -hmm. how I can help her in that moment by changing the task or the setting. And we have another um, comment from Amanda Tennant. Mm -hmm. Amanda, I may say your name wrong, sorry. Um, the advice for child-led child play sounds like she's talking about DIR floor time. I don't know whether you are or not, um, which is an alternative approach to all manner of challenges from social, emotional to sensory to cognitive. Um, and I have not uh, taken the training for DIR floor time. Um, I know that Mona did, and I've heard um, really good things about really young kids with that. Mm -hmm. um, but I also know that the child-led um, is is something that, for my career, that was also something that was emphasized. My background's a pediatric PT. Mm -hmm. But the other thing I wanted to say, what you said also about that time, that 30 minutes, whatever it is, which is a lot of time mm -hmm. to have someone else. I mean, that's a huge amount of time to have someone else 
leading everything and you are present that whole time. I'm not very, I would have a really hard time with that just because my attention spans not right. that long. I, but it, I mean, it's fabulous. But hand in hand parenting mm -hmm. is a really, um, is someone who, I don't know whether anyone is familiar with that, but that's one of the parent support, um, one, of, one of the parent, Patty Leffler, Leffler, Leffler. Um, someone who does trainings for families um, online. She's written a book called Listen, but really emphasizes, and so does Laura Markham, really emphasizes that time of where that child has your total attention, mm -hmm. which is big. That's mm -hmm. phenomenal. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So thank you. Because we can get so tied up with coming home from working or if, even if you're working from home and you got to cook dinner and you've got so much to do at the house. So really just setting aside that time to have that connection and interrupted time was very beneficial yeah. for us. Yeah, we got one more great comment that I what I mentioned before you go on. I'm sorry. I mean, the, no, we're, we're getting great interaction. Great. Here. Yeah, really, <laughs> really appreciate everybody out there that's that's uh, watching this live and, and providing mm -hmm. some feedback. And this is a really fun session. Uh, this is from Spectrum Life. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Nonverbal options, parallel regulation, being aware of body language, mm -hmm. facing bodies towards a person uh, who's overloaded can feel threatening and overwhelming. Mm -hmm. uh, sitting side to side, being quiet and safe, doing calm stims yourself. Uh, I started using reverse sequence uh, usually or something they like, offering and respecting space. Uh, it's mm -hmm. just great stuff. Uh, kinetic outlets uh, are great. Uh, I like that this talk is really addressing understanding autistic processing and needs versus forcing them to act neurotypical or uh, control. That, that's a, a great point. And Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Any any other comments on that? I I have a comment on that because you, you always have a comment. <laughs> <laughs> but this that comment that Spectrum Life, I don't know how to say AU, uh, but anyway, that comment is exactly in line with what I heard uh, Dr. Bruce Perry talk about in one of his recent office hours about when somebody is feeling threatened and out of control. Depends on whether, depends on how your own stress reaction works. Some people, anyway, when they're feeling that way, it's good to be parallel, patient. And there's another P, I forget what it was, but everything you said in there mirrored exactly what he said the brain needs when he was talking about how the brain reacts to stress and right. what it needs. The space was another thing. Don't cross the, the interpersonal boundary um, when somebody is feeling really stressed. I mean, it was just like a, a mirrored of what his neuroscience explanation was of someone in stress that needed help to get to where they could um, regulate again. You said it so beautifully. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and this considers, I mean, again, you, you can take a word, a, a word like comfort apart and everything that, that was shared in that comment is about comfort, but it's about making sure you're addressing comfort from different perspectives. So an autistic may have certain things that are very uncomfortable to them mm -hmm. uh, that would not be uncomfortable to somebody that's neurotypical. And sometimes the tendency is to to force, um, you know, one lens on. And, and I think that's a really great point is looking at comfort from the perspective of the, the people that you're, you're trying to help the people that you're working with, the people you love. Yeah. And I know from Lila, my daughter getting close to her when she's upset is um, very uncomfortable for her. Mm -hmm. She actually mm -hmm. likes her distance. So something we teach with Ukiru, which has been very helpful at home is when a person is getting upset, we give them space. We're still present. We're still with them. We're still working with them, but we actually teach them to back up and give them the space that they need. 
Yeah, it's so important. My my, my son yeah, was an eloper, and an eloper is one that wants to get space for themselves. And yeah. uh, unfortunately, when he was restrained um, due to that, uh, it it just made things worse and worse. I mean, and if somebody had you know calmly and quietly and following much of that advice, maybe sat beside him and and tried to work with him, the situation would have been de-escalated. Um, you know, so I think thinking about perspectives is so important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So the next thing I want to talk about is using a comfort versus control approach in our home and just how it's helped benefit Lila and also everyone that lives with us. It's helped benefit my whole family. It helps improve our functioning, not only for Lila, but for us. It helps improve our quality of life because when we use this approach, we've seen a huge decrease in um, behaviors. We've seen an increase in her happiness. And when she's happy, I'm happy. We have a happy, safe home environment. We avoid re-traumatizing her and anything that she's experienced in the past, but also traumatizing for us because when I see her in a crisis, it can be a struggle for me and a challenge for me to see her like that. Um, and it avoids harm. It protects It protects her. It protects us, everyone. It's just be- very beneficial for everyone in our home. So I'm going to ask you a question. Yes. Because it sounds like, and again, I've said this before, I'm old. <laughs> um, it sounds like it would be exhausting all day long. Is it just you and her or do you have anyone helping? I have a wonderful wonderful support system. So when Lila moved home with me, um, my mother moved in with me and my mother has worked at Grafton for 30, she's going on her 35th year. So she has been in this field for 35 years. So she has wonderful experience. Um, I live with uh, my boyfriend, Damien. I've lived with him for five years. He also works at Grafton and has known Lila since I've known Lila. So he's a wonderful support. Um, I have, I'm very, very blessed with the people that I have in my life. My brother, my sister-in-law, they are close by. They work very well with Lila. They work at Grafton. They've been through this training. They understand the importance of using comfort versus control. So I am very blessed to have a wonderful support system. I have a great support system at work and just everywhere that I'm at. That's fabulous. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Lila receives, uh, overnight nursing. And so her nurse is wonderful. She follows the same approach and she also um, receives attendant hours weekly. So anytime that I hire attendant, we also express this with them of how to deal with Lila if she's upset or how we use a comfort versus control approach with her. And so they've been very successful working with Lila too. So I expect you've trained a lot of people how to do this. Yes. And the people that work. Yeah, that's fabulous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have this page here if you want to learn more about Ukeru and getting it in for where you're working or for your school system where your child attends. We have a website, ukerusystems.com, or you can send us an email at info.ukerusystems.com. So I have that on the screen. And something else that I wanted to add um, is that I feel very lucky that Grafton uses this approach with Lila when she returns back to school, because I know that when she returns back to school, it's going to be an adjustment for her, just if, if when she goes back to school. And so I'm very lucky and I feel reassured that when she does go back, that they're going to be meeting her with a trauma-informed approach along with comfort versus control. So, Allison, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about this. Uh, you know, we had Christopher on last week, but uh, not assuming that everybody that was here this week was was here last week. Um, can you, you know, as an organization, um, we've been um, 
you know, we've, we've been familiar with Ucara for some time now. And uh, I actually went through the training myself uh, at one point uh, and have a good understanding of what it is and, and how it might fit into a school uh, as it relates to things like restraint seclusion. Could you give us a kind of a higher level um, just um, description of what Ucaro is and, and why it's used? Um, I mean, you've been talking about a lot of the principles, but just, you know, if a parent were interested, like how, what is this and how would it look in a school and why would I want to encourage my school to think about something like Ucaro? Absolutely. So we are a crisis intervention system that does not teach any restraints or seclusions. We teach a lot about trauma and a trauma-informed approach and how it can affect our brain and affect us when we're in crisis. We teach about using comfort versus control, everything that I've talked about today and a lot more. We teach um, how to respond with compassion and kind and to be caring when someone is upset. We put it into perspective so that the people that go through our training can understand what a person is going through um, when they experience a trauma response or how we're affected and how they're affected. And we use an alternative to physical restraints. Um, and we just teach someone that it's you're able to deal with a crisis situation without using a restraint or seclusion. We yeah, it, it's a great training, and I, I really enjoyed when I went through it. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think that the the biggest take homes for me is or it was really about the trauma informed approach, and and really trying to avoid crisis in the first place. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the goal is to avoid any any crisis that would require any kind of physical intervention. Um, and Ucara is certainly a much better alternative if a crisis happens. One right. of the things that I appreciated about it was that. Uh, I remember going through the training and I think it was Kim or maybe someone else mentioned that, you know, when tr schools are trained to, you know, in Ucaro, uh, they're also uh, able to do training for parents. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, that kind of thing can be helpful. I think, you know, following a consistent approach and, and following trauma-informed approaches can be really helpful for both parents and, and the schools. Mm -hmm. And creating a safe environment at home, but also creating that safe environment at school, too, is very important for the children that we work with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for our children to have it in both settings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. There are a couple things on here I want I want us to, um, the, the one from Ukara brought tears to my eyes. Well, yeah, uh, I was going to say that for last. You're, you're getting Okay, you can, do, you can do that last. <laughs> okay. Uh, we did have a comment earlier about how the following the lead was just so helpful to, to connect with the child. Um, but here we have another comment okay yeah this was about yeah mm -hmm. and she, she followed up with that her her thing her keyboard was was playing tricks on her so she <laughs> there you go um yeah uh but i see one here again about um i like hearing allison's paying attention to these details do you see what i'm talking about the absolutely yeah uh, that was that was one when i had queued up before you you uh okay um, so I like that Allison's paying attention to these details. Her daughter clearly needs space when overwhelmed. It's important for people not to get caught up in the emotions and see people's humanity and also understand the nuances of the autistic uh, of autistic communication. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, this is a healthy situation. Definitely get involved in the autistic community. Uh, both of you will benefit so much um, by a community of autistic people. You're doing uh, good things and we're here for you. And I, I really appreciate that and just want to say that you know, at the Alliance, um, you know, I started this group a little over a year ago, and we have learned so much from so many of the self-advocates that have gotten involved mm -hmm. uh, in our efforts. And it's it's so important to to listen to, uh, you know, the autistic community when when 
uh, trying to develop ways of, of working and supporting people. And, you know, I just, I really appreciate that uh, comment and know that we, um, as the Alliance, and I think, uh, I think Ukara has a very similar, um, you know, mindset here, um, are very interested in, in supporting, you know, uh, supporting autistic, uh, the autistic community, mm-hmm. um, and, and look for your input. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we have one here from Melinda Blair, um, that she's a special education preschool teacher and tries very hard to follow what she knows of comfort versus control. Um, they get trained in safety care yearly. I think that's one of the, the um, restraint companies uh, that teaches how to do it supposedly, I'm sorry, my bias, supposedly how to do it safely, but we all know that they're a risk because people get escalated when they're trying to use use them. Uh, but we mainly use, and there you go, we mainly use de-escalation techniques. My child has experienced lots of restraints and seclusions mm-hmm. throughout his schooling, and I don't want to put kids through what he has experienced. And I, I, I think you hit on a couple things. It's the de-escalation. This is what um, Ross always likes to say too. The de-escalation is too late. And you've heard a beautiful, uh, a beautiful um, summary with um, Allison today about how you're you're not waiting until out of control. You're doing all these. Um, you're reading and understanding the communication. You're putting in place. Um, times for her to take breaks when she needs to. You're doing regulatory activities. You're striving to understand her and and find ways to communicate in ways that you both can understand each other. I mean, you're doing all the preventative stuff that Absolutely. keeps you from having to do that. Um, um, Ukera. The preventative and the de-escalation are so important. And then really using Ukeru and comfort versus control at home doesn't damage the relationship that I have with Lila. You know, a lot of times when a child is restrained or they're secluded, their mm-hmm. relationship is significantly Absolutely. damaged. And you work so hard to build these relationships. And that is something that happen- that does not happen when you use Ukeru. We do not damage the relationships. Using this comfort versus control still may- allows us to maintain a healthy bond and a healthy Healthy, strong relationship. My son to this day remembers the man that restrained him twice on two occasions five years ago and sees him and has a visceral reaction. I mean, it really does destroy a relationship. And, you know, comfort versus control is, is such a better approach. And Melinda, you know, I want to thank you as a special educator out there yeah. wanting to wanting to do better. Um, I would encourage you and, and other educators that might be in our, our audience to um, to to look into a care more and and you know look into whether or not it's an option to do uh, training in your school. Um, I, I worked in my own school district as a parent uh, advocating for Ukero training, and we started a pilot program about a year ago um, and have seen really positive results from that. We have another comment here that I'm going to piggyback on because it's, it's very relevant of uh, someone that's been using Ukero. Let me see if I can find this. Uh, Alan Scott, uh, let's see. Uh, I've been teaching Ukero for five years. Uh, we use it for our community-based employment participants. We tailor the training to each individual as well as their supports in the workplace. Uh, we had participants that were told they would never work in their in the community, and with Ukero, they have been successfully employed. That is amazing. To another hear. another tearjerker. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm so glad that it was successful, and they're given that opportunity to go work in the community because I'm sure that's so important for them, and it means so much to them. 
Yeah, Alan, that, that's fantastic. And, and again, I appreciate the work that you're doing and I would love, love to hear more about what you're doing. Um, so please feel free to, to connect with us about that. Uh, Beth, are you seeing other questions that I have missed over here? Or does anybody else have any questions? Uh, we've got just maybe a couple more minutes um, to take some questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer asked, are there, uh, let's say, are there other uh, Ukara schools in Northern Virginia? Uh, we have, we're in Virginia. Are there, are she asking if we're currently? I, I guess she's looking for other schools that aren't necessarily Grafton schools that might be doing Ukara. I mean, I know you guys are all over the U.S. Um, we're but- in 36 states, um, British Columbia, Canada, and over 251 organizations right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I understood that Loudon was receiving mm-hmm. training. Yes. So I'm not sure how many schools in Loudon or whether it's the whole county or, or what it is. Um, but we could find that out. Yeah. If you want to send us uh, an email, we could definitely get that answer for you. We'd ha- be happy to answer any questions that you guys have and we'll can respond to that. Yeah. And I, I can tell you that, uh, you know, it was probably a, a year, year and a half ago when I first reached out to, to, uh, uh, Ukero, and that's when I met Kim Sanders. Um, and I was a parent, just a parent with questions and, and I'd found out about Ukero and I was so, um, pleased by how uh, willing to talk and share information that, that you guys are, um, yeah. going to transition to a comment here. Another one from spectrum life. Um, Oh, agree. Um, continuity between settings is important. Schools must understand these things too, uh, or we, um, our children will have repeated trauma. Absolutely. Good, good point. And actually, this is what drove me to the work that I'm doing, is that I was seeing what was happening to kids, um, whether they were um, being restrained and secluded. I didn't even realize that was happening until about 15 months ago. Um, that's what drove me to this work with with Guy and all this work with um, this advocacy work is because I see our kids who either have neurodiversity or they've had trauma. Um, they have different um, developmental disabilities that rather than being understood, the system that's been built up in the school system mm-hmm. has been punishing them rather than understanding them and, uh, and creating trauma. So instead of being a place where kids are supported, they're creating the trauma that then um, makes things so much worse. And, and um, that I, I can't tolerate that. But the other thing that I was going to say, it's not funny. I don't know why I'm laughing. I, I just, it's just so unacceptable. Um, and it's so unnecessary. I guess that's the other piece of it. It's just so unnecessary. Um, the, the other thing I think, and I think about with you, with Lila, but with so many other people also, is when we do to kids what's being done so often in the schools um, with a failure to understand what they're communicating or a failure to understand what they're struggling with, and instead expect them to follow these rigid rules and not ever have a bad day and all of those things, mm-hmm. we are destroying that child's potential. We're, we're destroying their connection to school, their connection with um, other kids. We're, we're destroying their their potential besides traumatizing them. So um, that's what drives that's what drives me. And thank you because you're doing it. You're living it. I'm just talking about. It. Well, I do it a little bit with my granddaughter, <laughs> but she doesn't live with me all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've just painted such. Pardon. 
that it can be done using this approach. Yeah, I mean, you've painted. Successful. Well, and I think your 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 story about how often um, she was having. <laughs> I never can figure out how to get in front of that camera. Um, how often she was having the um, e explosions or the meltdowns, mm -hmm. and now you're rarely seeing them. Mm -hmm. I mean, clearly, that, that's just. Right. And what she's able to learn in that time and what she's able, her goals are being mastered much more quickly, much more effectively. And her learning has increased mm -hmm. because we're spending our time having fun and learning and we're not spending our time and engaging in power struggles. Yeah. Or, yeah, um, it's great. So I do want to share this comment from Ukero Systems. So <laughs> you, you've got a fan, maybe even that's in that same building. That's possible. Uh, Allison is a rock star. <laughs> And I heard that when I first heard about you, I heard you were a rock star. So I have a suspicion who might be behind this. Uh, <laughs> she is the future of Grafton and O'Carroll. Um, and, and that's fantastic. Uh, I was reading the article about you kind of growing up in Grafton, yeah. you know, with your, with your mother working there. Anyway, back to the comment. Let me stay focused here. Uh, we all feel blessed that she will be the next generation and to make sure that we all continue to evolve and get better and better. And she has literally given life to Lila through her acceptance, compassion, and love. And uh, that you is know, just beautiful. It is beautiful. And Lila's beautiful. And, you know, what you're doing is amazing. Um, and, you know, the fact that, you know, you're, you're doing this for Lila, but you're doing this also for so many others. And, you know, really appreciate you kind of sharing your, your story and your success. And, you know, I mean, it's success and challenges. We, we have them all. Um, but really appreciate that. And, and thank you for that comment from, uh, from Ukara, because we couldn't, couldn't agree more. Yeah, I yes. owe so much of my success at home with Lila to Ukeru and Grafton. They've taught me so much. You know, I, it's great to work for a place that encourages power of creativity. And I'm mm. so thankful for them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we've got a couple more comments here that we'll go over before we before we wrap things up. Uh, we've got another one from uh, Spectrum Life um, talking about kind of what my son had been through, gone through. Uh, and appreciating the efforts that we're going through. But I like this. No, no person should ever have uh, the threat of abuse in schools anywhere. Right. Absolutely. Restraint and seclusion um, can be abuse. Um, it is. And, uh, you know, um, it's something, you know, one of the things we say a lot, and I firmly believe, is that we can do better. And if we can do better, we should do better. Um, so going on with the comment, we will not rest until no person ever has to experience trauma in a space where they are supposed to feel safe and grow. And couldn't agree Absolutely. with you more. Couldn't agree with you more. Thank you for that comment. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Um, let's see. Um, Okay. Uh, we have a, another comment from Natasha that you may recall earlier. Uh, the psychologist, psychologist also told me that I would not be re-traumatizing my son by insisting that he adhere to my boundary of not swearing. Uh, my son uh, used to be aggressive and suicidal. Um, so, you know, I mean, it sounds like, uh, you know, it sounds like a control approach is, is what's being recommended there. Yeah, and, and you know, it's it's not just in schools, but I think it's in many places that we need uh, kind of you know um, not to not to go after uh, lives in the balance here, but it's kind of the the new lenses and the new perspectives and you know new practices. Um, you know, we can do better. Yeah, right. It's how the brain works, and it's how and in the uh, how, um, comfort versus control is so aligned. I could just hear it. It just fit perfectly through all those lectures again on that anyone can go see on on um, 
the uh, Bruce. Bruce Perry. Bruce Perry. Thank you. Oh gosh. Um, anyway, Dr. Perry's uh, website is just um, there is so much information there that helps us understand. And again, we don't want to beat ourselves up or anyone else up for what we didn't know. But now we know, and we need to help make all the other. We can't help make anyone, but we have to make sure people know it's there. Um, because I, I just feel like there's no, it's not okay um, for this information to be out there and people not um, take advantage of it and mm -hmm. kids to continue to suffer. Mm -hmm. um, we have one more question I want to address. It's, it's about Ukeru. And, uh, and and I've heard this kind of question before. Um, uh, and this is from Melinda. She says, I, I fear that the use of all the pads and equipment will prevent my employer from agreeing to use a Ukeru. Uh, is the training ever done without the use of all the equipment? We have done trainings with just the um, trauma-informed approach and the comfort versus control and the philosophy that way. Um, the pads are, what was the what was the um, comment on the pads? I'm sorry. Well, I, I guess what they were asking is is just that if it's ever done, she she felt that the employer would um, look at the pads and and you know I've seen people have that same kind of comment like oh well it's it's replacing you know one thing with the pads but it, it really is a lot different and of course the focus of Ukara is avoiding avoiding the crisis in the first place. But, you know, mm -hmm. I took the training because people sometimes see the pads and they just think, oh, well, you're encouraging the kid to, to hit, hit these pads. And really you're not, you're, right. you're, you're protecting yourself while at the same time trying to, trying to connect with the child and de-escalate them. You know, you're not going after them. You're, you're backing away and you're trying to calm them. Uh, so I think there's sometimes a perception that's a little, um, you know, maybe, maybe misunderstanding kind of the purpose Yes, the pads are a very, um, they are a part of our training, but they're a very small part of our training. And the most important part of our training is the PowerPoint that we teach is the physiological, I can't speak, I can't say the word, our approach that we use and how we teach it and how we use those de-escalation skills and how we use comfort and how we understand trauma. So that is the main part of our training. And we um, have the pads just in case we need to use them. And again, we do teach that that you can use the pad and the pad is a lot less um, harmful than a restraint would be. It's an alternative to that physical restraint. And then we will target on working on the goals, but if we need the pads are there and something also that I think is um, kind of confusing about them is they're a part of their everyday environment. We encourage our employees to let their children or their students um, play with the pads. You know, we have people that build forts with them. Um, they use them as cereal trays. They use them as sleds in the winter. They are a natural part of their environment already. So when they have to be used, they're not seen as intimidating or anything like that. Yeah. And the other point here is, of course, that, that uh, Grafton has gotten rid of seclusion completely. And, and uh, you know, the, the goal in bringing in something like Ukeru is that um, you, you less and less would be even using the equipment that you're really, your focus is on, let's build relationships on, let's not do what happens with restraint, which is destroying relationships. Right. Uh, you know, my son, after returning to school, after the first uh, incidents, um, was was restrained and secluded about four times within 15 days and was just done. Wasn't ready to get what didn't want to go back to school. Uh, it absolutely can destroy relationships. And Ukero is all about kind of building and fostering those relationships. Um, and, and I think Melinda also asked kind of like, I'd love to see our agency replace what they're using um, with Ukara, but not sure how to get started or how to go about that. And from my own experience, I would say, uh, make a phone call to Grafton. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if, if Kim is the one, um, I know Kim was the one that I talked to, but I'm sure that there are several folks there that could help 
provide information. And, and there's some really compelling information. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, for me, it wasn't just about eliminating seclusion and reducing the use of, of restraint and, and having an alternative that was trauma-informed. But if you look at the data, the data from Grafton is really compelling. Uh, not only did they um, reduce you know, these things and eliminate seclusion, uh, they actually saved money, they had fewer injuries, uh, they had better uh, teacher teach staff retention. Um, so, you know, make a change like that. And this. their outcomes were better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so Melinda, they have some great information in, in the literature that may be more compelling than you may think in terms of influencing people that may be resistant to change. So just just start a conversation. You know, you may even find uh, parents in your district that would be willing to uh, to help support something like that. If anyone um, would like to reach out to us, you can send us an email. If you go to our website, there's a link where you can send us an email. My team and I would be happy to set up a phone call, a Zoom, whatever meets your needs to discuss our program and how we can help you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. Um, and, and, you know, there was another, I'm, I'm not going to bring all these comments up, but there was another comment about using large couch pillows in this manner. And I remember, I remember some of the stories about um, Ukera as it was being developed and, and going out and finding different things to use and uh, before developing your, your own pads. But again, the, the idea is rather, you know, I mean, when you go and wrap your arms around a child and restrain them, not only are you putting them in danger and putting them through trauma uh, and, and, you know, injuring the relationship, you're escalating things. You know, no, no child is de-escalated by having arms wrapped around them, um, you know. So anyway, a great, great program. So as we wrap up here, do you have any uh, final uh, final wisdom that you want to share with us, um, share with the parents and, and the educators and others that are out there in terms of what you're doing? Um, uh, there's it, one more question, I think, that we ought to have her address because it's direct, directly to her. And that is, can you get the training for use at home? So I guess the question is, can you come to one of your all's trainings in order to be able to implement this at home? But let me find out real quick. Okay. Yeah, my, my recollection was that um, I, I recall um, uh, Kim saying that the when schools were trained, that they were able to then train parents. Um, yes, I, I would, yeah. Yeah. Parents can are able to get trained and we would be happy to train you so you can have success at your home. And also when we do go train other schools, we advise them that they can train their parents. We just ask that they don't charge them for that because we want you to be successful at home as well. Yep. Yeah. And I went through it as a parent. So I, I was a parent. I didn't work at a school uh, and I was there with a lot of folks that did work in schools. It was really interesting. So, um, you know, hopefully I added something different, um, you know, into the into the mix. All right. So any, oh. any, any kind of words? Um, Just that if you have any questions, please, we would love to hear from you. Reach out to us. Keep doing the amazing things that you're doing with your child. I hope that you take away what comfort versus control can mean in your home and just continue to support each other. Everyone's comments and questions were amazing today. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, it's been really, really great. And this has been a fun session. It's been fun to kind of get all the questions as we've gone. I've got a couple of quick announcements. But again, I I just want to want to thank you for uh, what you've been doing here and uh, just let everyone know that we've got uh, some more great sessions coming up as well. Uh, Next week, we've got Robin, who will be with us talking about executive functioning. Uh, should be a really great uh, presentation also. So encourage everybody to come back with us uh, next week. 
And uh, again, these sessions will be available um, on uh, on uh, YouTube and Facebook, and we also will have it available as a, a podcast. So, I want to encourage you to come back and share them. Um, you know, if you're a, if you're a parent, share them with your with your schools. If you're a teacher, share them with parents. I, I think all of us are going to benefit when we begin to look at some of these things uh, together. So again, thank you very much for joining us and we'll look forward to seeing you again next time.